Welcome to the Powers on Sports podcast. This is episode four. We are going to delve into some great topics tonight. We're going to talk the Major League Baseball playoffs are getting underway this week. We've had some great uh, wild card action. We had a couple of Basically, division tiebreaker games prior to the wild card games, and then we will be getting to the divisional round here on beginning on Thursday. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball. We're going to talk matchups, the teams to beat, my predictions, all that good stuff. We're also going to talk college football. We're going to do a quick little recap from week number five. We're going to talk Penn State, Ohio State. Notre Dame Stanford. We're going to talk some rivalry games coming up this week. We're going to talk some clock management issues. And there was actually another incident involving a player putting a coach putting his hand on a player, Jimbo Fisher, down at LA, down at uh, Texas A&M. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're also going to preview some of the big games coming up this weekend. We're going to talk NFL. We're going to, again a quick recap of last week's action. We're going to talk. Teams that are in trouble, Pittsburgh Steelers, Atlanta Falcons. Is it getting to be too late? One of those two play each other this week, and one of those team one of those teams is going to have potentially four losses, and the other one could be one, three, and one. So we're going to talk about the effects of Le'Veon Bell still holding out. We're going to talk Jameis Winston's back with the Buccaneers, back named the starting quarterback. Should he be named the starter? Was it Fitzpatrick's fault? Why the Bucs got beat 48 to 10? We're going to talk the Rams. Can anybody stop the Rams in the NFC? They look to be a juggernaut on offense. They got a great quarterback, great head coach, great defense. They're, they've pretty much gone all in on this year. So can anybody stop the Rams of Los Angeles? They're 4-0. Drew Brees is about to break the all-time passing record in the National Football League, and he's potentially going to do it on Monday night. I'll give you some picks for the weekend as well. So if you have some, want to make, uh, we're going to make some picks for some games. And then we're going to finally, we're going to, we're going to talk just a quick bit about some fantasy football. So great, uh, a good, good menu of topics we are going to discuss tonight. Uh, before we get started, I want to first want to mention our podcast sponsors, the running center here in Tampa, Florida, the running center. Power Stories Theater, Five Star Athletics, Patrick Highland, the insurance quarterback, 813-966-1052, Sam Jenkins Designs, Sam designed our podcast logo, does great work, you can get a hold of Sam for any of your creative uh, design needs. He does t-shirts, he does artwork, all kind of great stuff. You can get a hold of Sam at samjenkinsdesign.com. So those are our great sponsors. We appreciate the support and the that they provide. And another week is in the books. Going to give you a quick little recap of my week. We had, uh, I had a very... High entertaining, high level high school football game last week involving Berkeley Prep and Tampa Catholic here in Tampa. Very good, very good rivalry game. We had a twenty-one to fourteen ball game. Real good, real solid performance by both teams. My fantasy team have I have I play in two fantasy leagues. My one fantasy team, both my teams were undefeated going into the week four of the fantasy football season. And unfortunately, my one, t- one of my teams uh, in my Magic City Fantasy Football League, I got beat by about 15 to 8, I think it was an 18-point differential. Uh, so my undefeated run ends there. Had a good, had a good week, scored a bunch of points, but the guy I played had just just had a uh, blowout week when it comes to scoring. He had David Carr and or Derek Carr, excuse me, and Deshaun Watson, a couple guys who just had monster games. I had I had very I had a I had a very good scoring week as well. But Ben Roethlisberger came up a little light in the shorts on Sunday night after halftime. Was looking pretty good in the first half, but he ended up coming up lameo in the second half. So I took a, I took an L in that league. But in my Tuscaloosa. 
fantasy football league. I had what we call in our league a Monday night miracle. A uh, I was down about I was down 20 21 points going into Monday night and I had Kareem Hunt and my opponent had the Dickman uh, Matt Dickman, my buddy in Atlanta. He had the Denver Broncos defense. So I was down 21. So I had to have a huge game out of Hunt and obviously I needed little to nothing out of the Denver defense and wasn't looking very good for a while. Hunt was having a decent game, nothing great. There was a couple opportunities in the second half where Kansas City could have ran it in for a touchdown, didn't. But uh, late in the game, if you if you remember, late in the game, Denver was up 10 points with about middle of the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden the, the Chiefs, led by Patrick Mahomes, made a big comeback. Kareem Hunt was involved, had a couple good runs, had a couple of pass catches. I was within basically five points if you recall the play that uh Mahomes avoided the sack and threw the ball left-handed for a first down late in the game if if Vaughn Miller sacks Mahomes right there I'm going to lose the game due to my uh due to playing against the defense but he didn't get sacked and then all of a sudden at the end the last minute in the minute 30 of the game Kareem Hunt scores on a uh, zone read play inside the five yard line and the pewter powers steal one on Monday night, win by one point in a fantastic uh, both real game on the field and then a fantasy game. So my team remained undefeated. I'm was super excited. You know, to win by one point in fantasy football is pretty uh, pretty dramatic for those of you I'm sure that have been involved in those kind of games. And again, Monday nights. Uh, We've coined the phrase in our league, a Monday, night, a Monday night miracle. So I had my version of a Monday night miracle this week. So that was, those are always fun to, to be a part of. Even if you're on the losing end of them, it's, they're still pretty fun to, to be a part of and, and watch where you have to watch the game to literally the last play of the game. So, all right, so let's talk some Major League Baseball playoffs. We had uh, two basically division tie-breaking playoff games on Monday. We had L.A. and Colorado, and we had Chicago and Milwaukee. So we have the Dodgers prevailed over Colorado, and then the Brewers went to Wrigley Field and beat the Cubs. So those two teams were the division winners. And so Tuesday we had... The National League Wild Card. The yes, the National League Wild Card. We had the Cubs hosting the Rockies, and they played an epic thirteen inning, two to one game. A very, very, very good game to watch. Very, very intense. Very drama filled. Even though it was only two to one, lots of drama, lots of double switches, a lot of pitching changes, a lot of pinch hitters. You know, Joe Madden made a made an interesting decision that the Cubs had the bases loaded. I believe it was either in the ninth or the 10th inning and the Cubs hit Jason Hayward instead of hitting Kyle Schwarber, who was available. I was pretty surprised that he, that he, that he, that he pinch hit with, with Hayward instead of Schwarber with the bases loaded. Obviously the game, the situation was they couldn't, uh, there was nowhere to put Schwarber. So you had to pitch to him, but they pitched, uh, they, they Madden, Put in Hayward. Hayward struck out. The Rockies end up getting a run in the 13th inning behind a hit by the third-string catcher of all of all players, and the Cubs kind of went down quietly in the 13th. Uh, and you know the Cubs in two games, and they're two basically they're two playoff games. They scored one run in each game, so lots of uh, offensive issues for the Cubs in the last week and a half, two weeks of the season. Kind of came back to roost. So congratulations to the Colorado Rockies. They now get to go to Milwaukee to play the Brewers. And you're going to have the Atlanta, my Atlanta Braves are heading to Chavez Ravine to see Los, the Los Angeles Dodgers beginning tomorrow. So those are your two National League matchups. In the American League, you have your wild card situation. The Yankees are, are advancing to the divisional round to play the Hated, vaunted Boston Red Sox, which should be an unbelievable series from a television perspective. Get your uh, get your clocks out because these games, these Yankee Red Sox games, typically last three and a half, four hours minimum. So, 
A lot of, lot of drama-filled uh, events getting ready to happen up on the East Coast between the Yankees and the Red Sox. And then you have another uh, heavyweight American League Division Series between the Astros and the Cleveland Indians. You know, many many people believe one of those teams are going to win it all. Uh, Houston, obviously, the defending World Series champions with the great pitching. You got Verlander. You got Garrett Cole. You got Keuchel versus Cleveland, who's got some great pitching. You got Corey Kluber. You have... Uh, Carrasco, you have Trevor Bauer, the Indians got a great bullpen with Trevor or uh, with Andrew Miller and those guys down there. So lots of uh, lots of managing managerial strategy you're going to see a lot of a lot of gamesmanship and all that kind of good stuff. And then you obviously have the, the, the biggest rivalry in sports probably between the Yankees and the Red Sox. So that'll be a great uh, battle. Best of five is Chris Sale healthy. Can David Price ever get over his postseason nightmares, especially nightmares versus the Yankees? He's all he's had terrible success. He's had terrible luck against the Yankees in the postseason. A lot of people don't think Chris Sale's very healthy, and that he that he's the key to the he's the key to the Red Sox hopes. So it's going to be very interesting to see how how that series unfolds starting up in Fenway on Friday. So. Lots of great, lots of great. This is a great time of the year if you're a baseball fan. You got baseball playoffs during the day and the evening. Uh, you got you're gonna have weekend action going up against the NFL and college. So it's gonna be a great. This is gonna be, this is gonna be a great all sports weekend. If you like that kind of stuff, uh, if you like the baseball playoffs, which I know a lot of people do, you know uh, the 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 key to a lot of these series is going to be the bullpens. I mean, this baseball postseason baseball is basically turned into a bullpen contest. Every team, whether you're, you know, whether you're the Rockies, whether you're the Brewers, uh, Yankees, Red Sox, you got to have quality bullpens. Oakland in the wild card game basically did a started a bullpen uh, a bullpen game today. They didn't they didn't use one starting pitcher in the game, which is unbelievable to think about in a playoff game kind of adopting the Tampa Bay Rays kind of uh, philosophy of, of a bullpen day. So the uh, Oakland utilized the bullpen. Aaron Judge hits an early first inning two-run homer to get the Yankees off to a great start. And then the Yankees blow it open in the sixth inning with a four spot in the sixth, which kind of put the game away. So not successful, but the Oakland A's had a great year. The Yankees are very built on their bullpen. You have uh, – Lots and lots of quality arms down there for the Yankees. You have the Red Sox. You got Kimbrel at the back end of the bullpen. That's the one one of their weaknesses. Is, is many of the analysts believe that the Red Sox don't don't have great uh, great setup guys get to get to Kimbrel. And obviously in the in the Houston Cleveland series, you're going to have great starting pitching. So the, again, the bullpen advantage probably is to Cleveland in that series. Um, and again, the National League, again, your more conventional starting pitching, the Dodgers with Kershaw, uh, Ryu, this youngster named Walker Bueller has been great. The Braves are going to be rolling out there with a bunch of young kids. You got Fultonowitz, uh, a lot of young guys with the Braves. A lot of people think the Braves are a year early before they're going to be really a true, true factor to go to the World Series. But I got a sneaky feeling the Braves are going to take the Dodgers to the limit to a five-game series. With all that youth, you got Ronald Acuna, you got Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, all those guys that have kind of uh, come onto the scene this year unexpectedly out of the blue. And then the other series, you got the Colorado Rockies, and then you got who who many people believe is the favorites to get out of the National League, the Milwaukee Brewers. Speaking of the bullpen, a fantastic bullpen. Um, Jeffress, you got Hader. You just have a devastating bullpen. Apparently, I, I saw a stat where they haven't they haven't lost a game in the last you know seventy five to hundred games when they've had the lead after the sixth inning. So that bullpen is just uh, spectacular. And so, we'll, th- these playoff games will definitely be decided by the bullpens way more than you'll see them decided by the offensive teams. So, uh, be on the lookout for a great these next week and a half, two weeks is going to be fantastic if you, uh, for the Major League Baseball Division Series and the AL and NLCSs. Uh, most of your games are going to be on Fox Sports One, TBS, a little bit of Major League, the MLB Network. So those that's those are your outlets to watch these games. So definitely encourage you to get out and watch some of those games. Again, these games will be on during the afternoon while you're at work. 
It'll also be on in prime time, so there'll be plenty of opportunity to watch ball, um, no matter who you like and who you follow. So you'll see some great matchups and some uh, dra- lots of drama. The baseball playoffs have tons and tons of drama every year, and that's 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 good for the sport. Though I will say, MLB is definitely disappointed that the Cubs are out of it from a meet from a TV perspective. The Cubs, the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Red Sox are huge draws. So M- the MLB, the commissioner, he's definitely hoping that some combination of of LA, Boston, and New York get into the uh, World Series from a television perspective. The network executives at Fox will not be very happy if it's a Houston-Milwaukee World Series or a Cleveland-Colorado kind of World Series where you have kind of two obscure teams that no people don't know a lot about. They definitely are looking for the they definitely looking for Yankee Red Sox versus the Dodgers is the ideal scenario to get both sides of the country, the West Coast and the East Coast involved, uh, and all the history all the hist- history with the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox. So that's who the guys in the suits in New York City are looking or praying to God get to the World Series. But my prediction is going to be I think you're going to see a Boston-Milwaukee World Series. And I think the Boston Red Sox are going to find a way to get it done in a great World Series. So my prediction is Boston-Milwaukee in the World Series. My Got to give a shout out to my boy Josh and Jamie, who are huge Red Sox fans. So uh, I'm rooting for you, man. Come on, Boston, get over the hump. I, for some reason, I like ball. I don't know why. I've always, I've kind of since they won the World Series in '04, I've kind of had a soft spot in my heart for Boston. I think because my buddies like those two, are my good buddies, and I and they like Boston. And outside of the Rays, I do enjoy ball. I do, I do like the Red Sox and the Braves. The Rays, the Red Sox, and the Braves are probably my three teams that I that I would follow. And I don't think the Braves have enough this year, unfortunately, to, to get to the World Series. But I'd love to see them knock off the Dodgers um, and get to the in the NLCS. So we'll see. So I was a I was a kid of the '80s, so I grew up on with the with the Atlanta Braves on the TBS Superstation. Skip Carey, Ernie Johnson, and. The Braves in my wheelhouse in college. I, I remember the. I remember my freshman year of college. Sid Bream, Francisco Cabrera, when the Atlanta Braves pulled off the dramatic ninth inning set game seven against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Unbelievable finish. Cabrera base hit left field. Here comes Bream. He is safe versus the Pittsburgh Pirates with Barry Bonds throwing the ball home. Too late. Sid Bream scores and the Bravos go to the World Series. I actually have been to a World Series game before. That was pretty cool. I went to the 1995 Game 2 in the World Series in Atlanta. It was Atlanta and Cleveland. My boy Tom Glavin throws a one nothing shutout versus the Indians. David Justice. That's a name from the past. My man Dave Justice hits a, hits a home run. And they win one nothing with a Tom Je- Tom Glavin gem in Game Two, as the Braves go on to win the World Series. All right, so we're going to transition from from the MLB playoffs. We're going to go to some college football. Quick recap of last week. Probably the game of the week was Ohio State Penn State up in Happy Valley. How did Penn State lose the game? I mean, are you kidding me, James Franklin? We got Penn State dominating Ohio State the whole first half. Should be up by at least probably 17 points going to halftime. They're only up, I believe, 10. Ohio State plays a very good third quarter to get back in the lead. We go to the fourth quarter, back and forth. Penn State scores to go up five. They score again to go up 12 with about eight minutes to go. Ohio State answers with a touchdown up to go be down five. And then my man, Mr. Dwayne Haskins, goes 96, takes Ohio State 96 yards to take the lead. So Ohio State goes up one. The controversy in this game is twofold. I'm going to give you a little bit of of, uh, behind the scenes that you may not have noticed. So Ohio State scores to go up one point with about two minutes to go in the game. And 
Obviously, if you're going, if you're up one point, kicking an extra point's meaningless. So they're going to go for two to try to go up three points. And freaking Urban Meyer, with three timeouts in his pocket, allows the play clock to run out on the two point conversion play, and freaking takes a delay a game, which pushes the conversion from the three to the eight. Doesn't call timeout. Just lets the play clock run out. Unbelievable. I mean, just I, I'm just. I'm wondering what what are these coaches and what's Urban Meyer doing? Just totally oblivious to the play clock. The quarterback's oblivious to the play clock. Let's the play clock run out. They move back to the eight. Don't make the two-point conversion. So instead of it being a potential three-point lead and a field goal only ties the game, they're actually up one point where a field goal beats you. Penn State takes the ball, drives down to the Ohio State, about the Ohio State 45, facing fourth and five, uses their last timeout of the game, actually called two timeouts, I believe, and my man James Franklin, mm -mm -mm. fourth and five, and you run a zone read. Zone read, running play to the running back, not even a quarterback keeper with McSorley who was gashing Ohio State all night with the quarterback lead. Don't throw the ball. You got a senior quarterback. At home, you don't throw the ball, and you run a freaking running back zone read for a two-yard loss on fourth and five. And James Franklin has the gall and the nerve in the post game to say that Ohio, that Penn State is an, is a great program, and that from this day forward, we're we're not settling for being great. We're only going to be settling for being elite. But yet on fourth and five, we call a zone read after two timeouts. Whew. So Ohio State survives. The Urbanator survives another one. Probably gonna probably gonna make it to the Mich probably gonna make it to the Michigan game undefeated. We'll see what happens in the Michigan game, but a great chance to get to the Big Ten title game and obviously to the national playoff. So Ohio Ohio State dodges a major bullet up in Happy Valley. Notre Dame Stanford. I'm telling you, this team Notre Dame has got some material here. Look out! They've uh, they took care of Stanford, won by three touchdowns. Great Notre Dame, a very underrated defense, very good defense. And then Brian Kelly two weeks ago has made the quarterback change to Ian Book away from Brandon Winbush, and he's made all the difference in the offensive uh, scheme and efficiency. They actually have a decent passing game now, where they did not have a much of a passing game with Winbush at the helm. Notre Dame is a very, very dangerous team here. They probably have two more games they have to worry about. They have Virginia Tech this week in Blacksburg, which will be which will be a very tough game. And then they have USC later on. But other than that, the the, the road to the road to the playoff looks pretty darn good for the Irish. And I would expect even if they probably lost one game, they would have a still a pretty good shot to make the playoffs. But if they if they and there's no doubt about it. If they go undefeated, they'll be in the they'll be in the 14 playoff. I don't care what else happens around the country. If Notre Dame is undefeated, they'll be in the playoff at somebody's expense. And teams from the Pac-12, teams from the Big 12, teams from the Big 10, and even the SEC, the second team out of the SEC wants no part of Notre Dame being undefeated because that's going to take a spot from somebody. You have to figure the SEC champion's going to make it. Um, you, you, you got to figure if Clemson runs the table, they're going to make it. So that's two. Potentially Oklahoma or Texas could make it out of the Big 12. If, if Oklahoma runs the table or if Texas runs the table with one loss, that's going to be a t those are going to be teams that are going to be in the mix. And then obviously you got Notre Dame. And obviously in the Big 10, you got potentially Ohio State and maybe Michigan. Michigan's got one loss. If they were to beat Ohio State late, run the table, and win the Big Ten, they've got a great shot to make it as well. So big, big, big win for the Irish at home. Again, got to go to Virginia Tech this week, which will be no easy uh, matchup. But uh, I like I like where Notre Dame's heading. And I got a feeling you're going to see them in the playoffs. We got Jimbo Fisher in the news this week. Jimbo apparently, or did not apparently, clear as day, grabs one of his kids' face masks during the game during a timeout in their game last week. Texas A&M versus Arkansas grabs a kid's face mask and gives him a good tug and twirl 
not quite Woody Hayes style, but but probably inappropriate. And obviously in this day and age, you can't be putting your hands on players. You can't be grabbing face masks. You can't be doing those kind of things in this environment that we're in. And it's just it's just very very surprising that Jimbo Fisher lost his composure there. Doesn't didn't realize doesn't realize the the the, the backlash that's going to cause. I mean, just imagine what if a co- what if a kid did that to a coach? What would happen to the kid? The kid would be done. He would be suspended. He would be his scholarship would be revoked. He would be kicked off the team, no doubt about it. And it's just crazy to think that some of these coaches think that they can still do some of these things that were acceptable 20, 25, 30 years ago. You can't do that. You can't put your hands on the kid. You can yell at him. You can, you know, obviously cursing at him is part of it. We get that. But you can't put your hands on the kid. And you, you definitely can't grab his face mask like he did and, and twirl it and, you know. I'm surprised Texas A&M, you know, they're they're gutless. They're not going to suspend the guy who they just paid $75 million to. Obviously, they're not going to, you know. But the right thing to do would be to sit the guy down for a half. Sit the coach down, put Jimbo in the locker room for a half, suspend him for a half, do something to let everybody know this is not okay. You know, Ohio State was, was fairly gutless in doing what they did with Urban Meyer. And now you got Texas A&M kind of bowing down, you know, hopefully they've, they better have reprimanded him or something on the back, on the back end of this behind the scenes. Cause if they didn't, that's just, that's just, t- t- that's just garbage. Got this week, you got some big rivalry games. You got some, we're going to talk about some, just some of the matchups this week. There's about four, but there's about four good, really good matchups, a couple rivalries, couple old school, uh, Legendary rivalries. First of all, you got Florida State Miami. Both teams are da- not not nearly as good as they've been in the past, but again, that's still a very big rivalry in the South here, especially in the state of Florida where I'm at in Tampa. The Seminoles really struggling under Willie Taggart. You got Mark Richt in the in the Hurricanes. They're doing okay. They've lost one game, but they're not as dominant as they've been. They're playing down in Miami this this week, so Miami is a heavy favorite, so Miami should win the game, but, you know, with these rivalry games, you never know. I would expect Miami to win, though, comfortably. You have the Red River rivalry, the state of Texas, at the Texas State Fair, where you can get anything from fried Oreos to fried pickles to the most disgusting, unhealthy things you can ever imagine. There'll be many, many heart attacks, being developed from their visits to the Texas State Fair. But a very awesome rivalry happens every year at the Texas State Fair in Dallas. You got the Sooners of OU and Tom Herman in the horns. Texas has, re- has rebounded nicely. They've had two nice wins the last two weeks. They beat TCU, and then they beat two weeks ago before that. They beat USC. Oklahoma comes into the game undefeated. You got Kyler Murray is lighting it up at Oklahoma. They escaped versus Army a couple weeks ago in overtime, but this should be a fantastic Red River rivalry. The winner the will be in the driver's seat to get to the Big 12 championship game, and if Texas can win and run the table, they're going to be in a great spot to get into the playoff. And Oklahoma is obviously going to be in the same situation if they win if they win the rest of their games, they're going to be in a great spot to get to the playoff. So. This is kind of almost an elimination game, and we've just started the month of October, which is pretty cool. You got, like we talked about before, we got Notre Dame, the Irish, heading to Blacksburg to see the Hokies and Virginia Tech Saturday night, prime time, ABC, Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler on the call from Virginia Tech. So... Big, big game for the Irish. Again, if they win, if the Irish can take care of business... They've got a pretty smooth road the rest of the way until the USC game to get to the playoff. And, uh, again, lots of people around the country will be shaking in their boots if the Irish get through this game because that's probably one less spot available. Virginia Tech lost their quarterback a couple of weeks ago after when they got upset by Old Dominion. But they bounced back very nicely last week and, and throttled Duke in, in a game many people thought Duke was going to beat them. So, We'll see what Virginia, Virginia Tech, always a tough place to play up at Virginia Tech at night. Uh, you know, obviously new coach at Virginia Tech the last three years, Justin Fuentes took over Frank Beamer. 
Lane Stadium will be rocking Saturday night in Blacksburg. And probably the team that's kind of flying under the radar, kind of a sneaky matchup, two sneaky matchups this week. You got the Wildcats of Kentucky, undefeated Wildcats of Kentucky. Who would have ever thought that? Mark Stoops up out to a 5-0 start. They head to College Station to play Jimbo and the Aggies. That's kind of a sneaky matchup there. Again, if Kentucky can win this game, it's going to set up a colossal showdown down the road with Georgia for basically the SEC East title. Uh, the Wildcats seem to be for real this year. Great defense, good good lines of scrimmage, offensive and defensive lines. So it's going to be a good matchup down in College Station. See how the Aggies respond. The Aggies, if you recall, they took Clemson to the wire in week two, came up short, got throttled by Alabama. So they're, they're a team that's building. But this will be a very tricky game for Kentucky. Kentucky's like a five-and-a-half, six-point underdog, which, you know, if you – you look at it all on the surface, you say, what? But these these guys, these SEC road games, man, these are these are brutal environments these teams have to go into. Very tough environment in College Station. It'll be jumping down there Saturday night in College Station. Um, I would like to see Kentucky get it done only because I'd like I'd love to see a, a, you know the build up towards a showdown with Georgia for the SEC East. Um, but we'll see. Uh, the last big SEC matchup and kind of last big matchup around the country is going to be in Gainesville, Saturday, 3.30 CBS. Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, the Bayou Bengals of LSU come, in to vis- come to the swamp and visit Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators. The Gators are off to a pretty darn good start. Back-to-back road wins at Tennessee and Mississippi State. Last week was the Dan Mullen reunion tour in Stark Vegas where they shut down Mississippi State on defense. Defense was fantastic, and they j- just enough offense out of out of Felipe Franks and the Gators. Um, I would I would sense the same kind of game this week. I pretty uh, very much of a defensive battle between LSU and Florida. Both teams have excellent defenses. I would give LSU the advantage on offense, not by a lot, but a little bit, a little bit better quarterback play. But again, it's going to be an electric environment at the Swamp Saturday at 3.30 between LSU and Florida. Um, I think Florida's going to find – I think LSU's going to find a way to get out of there with a W. It's going to be a late a late score, late field goal, late missed kick, something. something. I think, I think you're going to see LSU uh, get out of there with about a three, four-point win. I think Florida's – quarterback away from being really legitimate they've got a very good defense but i think the quarterback situation at florida is going to be still is still a problem and it's going to be going to be the downfall so some not a great not a great certain docket of games this week in college football but those are the kind of the four games that i think are going to be your, your big games on the docket um again clemson had a scare last week one with with health of the quarterback trevor lawrence got hurt Third string guy comes in, has to complete a fourth and sixth pass to keep the game alive against Syracuse. Clemson finds a way to get it done. They, they beat Syracuse by three points in a, in, a, in a very, very, very good game down in Death Valley. Um, looks like Lawrence is going to be back at the helm for Clemson this week. Um, Georgia with a good win last week against Tennessee. Alabama rolls. So it's going to be interesting to see how the, uh, you know, Who's gonna? Which one of those top three or four teams is gonna is gonna be the first one to get upset, and uh, kind of shake up things here on the on the in the top top five, as we start getting closer and closer to the first uh, release of the college football playoff uh, rankings, which should be coming out at the end of October. All right, so we're gonna talk about one more. We're gonna remind everybody of our sponsors of, of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. We're here in Tampa doing the broadcast. Sponsors of the Powers on Sports broadcast uh, podcast are the Running Center for all of your running shoes, running needs, apparel. Uh, get your get your feet measured to where they fit your shoes properly. All that stuff's critical when it comes to uh, your fitness level, your athletic uh, running, your running style. All that stuff matters. And the type of shoes you're buying and wearing. I know for a fact, from my perspective, running shoes are critical for me. I have my feet can sometimes be bothersome when you're when you're running. 
So I definitely have to have shoes that are comfortable and have some cushion to them. So definitely go visit the running center on Northdale Mabry for all of your running, uh, running needs, shoes, apparel, uh, accessories, all that kind of good stuff. Go visit Bill Davison down there at the running center. Power Stories Theater is a, is a uh, local theater here in Tampa that, that involves theater productions for women, all about women. Great, uh, they, they do a great job of putting on performances throughout the year. They work with young girls all throughout the Tampa Bay, uh, Hillsborough County area year round. They just had a great luncheon, uh, their annual uh, gala luncheon on Tuesday that I had the pleasure of going to. Fran did a great job putting on the, the luncheon for her, uh, for the theater. So it was very successful and congratulations to the, to the, to all the girls and all the, uh, ladies and gentlemen that attended that luncheon. They've got a, their new series of, uh, plays are coming out that we have the opening night on Thursday, October the 4th of their new season of theater. So definitely go visit them online at Power Stories Theater. Google Power Stories Theater. Five Star Athletics sells team apparel, athletic apparel, shoes, equipment. So if you're in the if you're in the youth sports arena and you need uniforms, hats, you know, any kind of you know gloves, bats, balls, footballs. Uh, we set we do all kind of custom custom apparel. We do custom uniforms, custom baseball jerseys. We do lacrosse. We do uh, soccer. We do basketball, baseball, softball, football, flag football. You know whatever you're doing, we do corporate. We do corporate attire. So if you need polos, that kind of stuff, t-shirts for your corporate business, we can help you there at Five Star Athletics. Give me a call at 205-790-1404 and I can help you. Get you set up with you with your with your team, with your company, with whatever whatever needs you might have. We got the insurance quarterback, my man Patrick Highland. He's our insurance quarterback. 813-966-1052 for all of your uh, needs, medical, uh, if, you, if you need Medicare, uh, supplemental insurance, health insurance, those kind of things, retirement planning, he can help you with all annuities, he can help you with all that kind of stuff. Uh, so call Patrick Hyland, our insurance quarterback, 813-966-1052. Sam Jenkins Designs, go to samjenkinsdesign.com. Sam does you uh, you know personalized logo artwork that kind of stuff. If you if you're if you're looking for a branding of your company, Sam would be able to help you out creating a design for you, tweaking the your current design, those kind of things. Sam also designs uh, logos and stuff for T-shirts and apparel. Sam's been in the design business for over 20 years. Been working with has worked with huge companies, Foot Locker. Uh, you know he works with individual clients big corporations, small businesses, whatever your needs on the creative side might be, give Sam Jenkins a, uh, a call. Sam Jenkins Designs, samjenkinsdesigns.com. So, all right, so NFL action. We're going to get to N the NFL here. We're going to talk about uh, week number five of the NFL. Quick recap of week four. The Rams are a wrecking crew, it looks like to me, in the NFC, man, just Dominated the uh, Minnesota Vikings in a shootout on last Thursday night. Jared Goff and that offense is just on fire. Sean McVay leading that team. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers are in some big trouble. Take a take a big L on Sunday night football to the Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers are now 1-2-1. and one. Still drama around Le'Veon Bell. Apparently he's talking about reporting during week seven, which is their bye week. Um... You know, so we'll see what happens there. Who who knows what he's he's thinking? You had the big Earl Thomas controversy. If you saw Earl Thomas for the Seahawks last week, got injured in the game against the Arizona Cardinals, broke his leg, was carted off the field, and as he's getting carted off the field, he basically gives the whole Seattle front office and the coaching staff the middle finger. Uh, Thomas has been in a contract dispute with the Seahawks all basically for the last year, wants a new contract. The Seahawks have resisted. He's in the final year of his contract. He wanted to be traded. 
Seahawks haven't are demanding a second round pick and they haven't traded him yet. All that stuff. Now his season's basically lost because he's he just got put on IR with the broken leg. So he was very excited when he was getting carted off the field, giving everybody the middle finger, Pete Carroll and John Schneider included. So that was a uh, obviously a very purposeful uh, gesture he made as he's getting carted off the field. So he he made everybody aware of just how excited he was with the Seattle Seahawks. You have the Jameis Winston back from his suspension. Fitzpatrick starts week four at Chicago. The Bucks get literally destroyed. They're down 38-3 to at the half. Defense is a total sieve in Tampa. The Bucks are down 38-3. So Dirk Cutter makes the decision to put Jameis in the second half, which I can't disagree with. I think he had to put him in to get him a little game time. The game was... The Chicago game was was already decided. wasn't There was no chance of a comeback. That wasn't happening. Winston plays the second half, plays okay, um, and it was announced on Monday that Jameis will be starting following the bye. The Bucks are on a bye this week, so he'll be starting week six at Atlanta. A lot of mixed reviews about whether Jameis should be starting or not down here in Tampa. Lots of people are are you know are very supportive of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's done a very good job, has played pretty well. The last week, the last two games were not nearly as good as the first two, but he wasn't playing poorly. But ultimately, the Bucks have to make a $21 million decision on Jameis Winston at the end of this offseason. So, unfortunately, they you, you got the guys got to play a little bit to, for you to for the for the organization to make the final decision on whether they're going to keep Jameis or go in a different direction. Um you know, it's going to be critical to see how he plays. If he doesn't win games, he won't be here in 2019. I'm I'm convinced of that. He had better get he better get the Buccaneers to to at least eight wins, if not nine, and he better play well for them to for him to be have his 21 million dollar option exercise heading into the 2019 season. Uh, lots on the line for for Dirk Cutter and Jason Light. If the if the you know if the if the wheels were to fall off here in Tampa. Obviously, their jobs would be in jeopardy, um, especially Coach Cutter. Uh, Jason Light did sign a one-year extension earlier in the in the season, but Cutter does not have any has not signed an extension, so he's his his job is definitely in play uh, this offseason, depending on how these final twelve games go. Um, so, but the defense is it's a sieve down here. That's that's the biggest problem down here is the defense. The offense is going to score enough points, in my opinion. It's just whether whether the defense can hold hold its own and be productive. You got desperate teams getting ready to play this. Uh, you had some, we had some uh, desperate teams that were that were jeopardized by some poor officiating. If you you saw some two very loose calls in the Oakland Cleveland game late in that game, you had a fumble by Oakland. Derek Carr fumbles on a sack. That the referee blows dead for some reason. I have no idea what that guy's thinking on that one. The ball is clearly out when he gets hit. I don't know what the the, the, the referee is looking at to see it to see uh, forward progress stopped and the play killed. Definitely cost Cleveland a turnover there, which was late in the game. And they also got a very dubious overturn on a on a spot on a third and two situation where Cleveland with a first down ices the game. Replay review reverses the spot and makes Cleveland short, fourth and inches, and they have to punt the ball. Oakland goes down, scores, makes a two-point conversion to tie the game, and ultimately wins the game in overtime. But uh, So you had a lot of controversy about the spot and why was it reversed and all that stuff. So um, so that, that's, that's basically the, the, the run of the, run of the uh, week number four storylines. So heading to week five, you have a couple of storylines developing here. You have, first of all, you have Desperation uh, Incorporated involving the Steelers and the Falcons who, who match up against each other. The Falcons, one and three. Again, the same situation as the Buccaneers. Defense is a, is a disaster. Scoring a bunch of points. They've lost two straight home games. Atlanta has the last two weeks, at the basically in the last 25, 30 seconds of the game because of the defense. Uh, just, just disastrous in Atlanta on, on the defensive injuries front. Atlanta has lost at least four starters on defense due to injury. Uh, Matty Ice is playing great on offense, but the defense is just terrible. They're one and three, heading to heading to Three Rivers, where you have the Steelers are at one, two, and one. 
So again, two teams who many people thought would go deep into the into the playoffs this year. The Falcons are potentially one and four, staring at one and four, and the Steelers are potentially staring at one, three, and one. So that's probably the two most desperate teams in the league playing each other. You also have the uh, the Patrick Mahomes, unbelievable. This guy, this guy stole the game Monday night in Denver. Two late, two great drives late in the fourth quarter in Denver, scrambling, throwing across his body. The arm strength is unbelievable. He's just got a lot of moxie. I really, really like the way he plays. A lot of people are comparing him to Brett Favre, that he's just a gunslinger. He's got an unbelievable arm strength and arm talent. Uh, Kansas City, again, the same kind of situation, a great offense. The defense is a little suspect, but they were able to go to mile high and get it done late. Uh, Denver nearly pulled off a hook and ladder play at the end, which would have probably either won the game or would have put them at first and goal inside the 10 with under – 15 seconds left in the game to win the game, but it was a great uh, play call by Denver on a, on a hook and ladder play on fourth down. Unfortunately, they were about a half a beat off, and the guy got stripped as he was trying to pitch the ball, and they and they ruled the play incomplete. But it was a fantastic. I love the call. It was a great call if you were watching it live. So be interesting to see how uh, Kansas City hosts Jacksonville this week, which will be a monster game in Arrowhead. You got. Jacksonville heading to Arrowhead without Leonard Fournette. Fournette tweaked his hamstring yet again. That looks like that's going to be an ongoing problem throughout the regular season for Jacksonville with with Fournette. That's going to be a situation where you just need to sit him down for a month and don't even let him try to get back on the field for at least a month. They're probably going to still be okay. Their defense is is uh, they've got a stout defense. Blake Bortles does just enough to win the game, and he'll do just enough to get you beat too. But that, that, that's one of the big matchups this week in the NFL. You have Drew Brees is most likely going to break the all-time passing record on Monday Night Football next week. He's about to break Peyton Manning's all-time yardage record. I think he needs like 210 yards to do that. So un, unless something out of the ordinary happens, he'll, he'll most likely do that. Uh, Monday Night Football, which that'll be a cool scene in New Orleans. It's Superdome when that happens. So... Those are some of the uh, storylines heading into week five of the NFL. A couple of the big games. Again, in the NFL, you have Jacksonville heading to Kansas City, which will be a big showdown game in the AFC. You also have, again, the Falcons and the Steelers, not because of record, but just because of kind of the desperation factor. You have the... Minnesota Vikings again. They're another team that's kind of uh, kind of teetering a little bit. They're one, two, and one. They head to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. The Eagles were upset last week at Tennessee. Mariota converted several fourth down plays. They went to overtime, and instead of kicking a field goal in overtime, they went you know they threw it in the end zone. Mariota to Corey Davis for the game winning touchdown in overtime. Several teams had some overtime drama last week. If you the Colts and the Texans, the Colts went for it on in a tie game and under under minute under a minute to go in overtime, they went for it against the Houston Texans on their own forty yard line. Didn't make it. The Texans run a play, gain about fifteen yards, and end up kicking a game winning field goal in the last play of overtime. A lot of heat was directed towards Frank Reich for why why would you go for it on your own forty? Why wouldn't you punt and take the tie? I don't have a problem with him on, on his own 40-yard line going for it. It was only fourth and four. It was The guy was open, bad throw by Andrew Luck, but I don't have a problem trying to win the game. You know, if he was on his own 25-yard line, that's a different story. But, you know, 40-yard line and beyond, go for it. Try, try, to, try to win the game in overtime. Um, so you're going to see more and more of that stuff as more overtimes games happen. Uh, again, Minnesota goes to Philadelphia this week. That should be a pretty interesting game there. And you have the well, last game of interest to me is going to be the Green Bay Packers going to Detroit. Again, a big NFC North battle. Again, Detroit loses another tough one at the gun at Dallas last week on a game-winning field goal, whereas Green Bay beat Buffalo pretty good, but there were some pretty strong comments by Aaron Rodgers about the offense following the game. Kind of calling out Mike McCarthy a little bit. And uh, it was pretty interesting to see him being so direct towards McCarthy, calling him out about the offensive flow and the you know the, the play call selections, all that kind of good stuff that goes into calling plays. 
So it'll be interesting to see how Green Bay responds this week and be interesting to see what kind of, uh, what kind of, you know, is there any friction there between McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers as they head to Detroit, which is always a tough bat matchup in the, in, 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 within the division. You got Matt Patricia and Stafford up there in Detroit who've been playing much better late in the last two weeks, three weeks. Again, had lost a heartbreaker to Dallas, could have won the game easily, but, but didn't. So, uh, I'm going to give you a couple picks this week. I like the – looking at the slate here, a couple games. We're going to give you a couple free picks. I do like the Denver Broncos heading to New York. I believe they're about a – it's about a one-point game, pick them game. I think the Broncos will go to New York and win the game. I like the Panthers against the Giants. Uh, the Giants are a mess with Eli and the offensive line. The Panthers are coming off a bye. I, uh, I like the Panthers there in that spot. Um, you got, I like the San Francisco 49ers to get off the snide against the Cardinals. San Francisco minus four and a half against the Cardinals. You got uh, C.J. Beathard played very well last week against the Chargers. Nearly beat Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. And then you got Sunday night, you got Dallas and Houston, which is always should be a pretty interesting game. And then Monday night, you got New Orleans and Washington and the Superdome. I kind of like Washington there in the points a little bit. I think they're getting a six and a half, seven points. So I kind of like the Redskins to keep it close. And then I like I do like the Pittsburgh. I do like Pittsburgh this week against Atlanta in a must-win game for Pittsburgh at home against the Falcons. I would I would I would take Pittsburgh minus the three at home. So. There's some picks for you. Again, great week of a uh, good week of NFL, a good week of four or five really good college games, and you got the Major League Baseball playoffs. Let's hear from you. If you got any questions, comments, love to hear from you. At Kick the FB is our Twitter handle. So send us a, a comment, note, something, or you can email us at sportspowers at yahoo.com. Again, I'm Jason Powers. I'm your host of Power the Powers on Sports Podcast. Tell a friend. Check us out. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Music Play. We're on. We're soon to be on Apple iTunes. So definitely take a listen. Tell a friend. Love to hear from you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Win a win a chicken dinner. <laughs>